I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Love's a Pitch, a podcast where people from the LGBTQ plus community put themselves out there in hopes that they will find a connection, whether it be a friend, a lover, a lust partner, a partner in crime, who knows, but it is up to you, the audience, to help make these connections, whether it's you or somebody you know. I mean, if you're listening, you don't have to be looking for someone. You could just be a voyeur. You could just be curious about people in our community and what they're looking for. By the way, I'm your host, Carolyn Bergier, and a quick reminder for those of you in the New York area, I do have a live Loves a Pitch show coming up April 30th, and that is going to be at Come On Everybody in Brooklyn. That is very different than this podcast. Yes, it's the same name. Yes, it's people pitching themselves to an audience, but... This also involves three comedians who will be on stage. It involves challenges. It'll be very silly and funny. And while I like to get silly and funny on this podcast too, here, you know, I'm not going to give people a hard time. They're trying to put their best foot forward and I just want them to find whatever it is they are looking for because I really care about the guests that I have on this show. And some of them, if you were a listener of my last podcast, Diking Out, you may remember their voices from episodes. Or if you're new here and you want to hear more, some of these guests like today have uh, been on episodes of Diking Out. This guest in particular had a great episode called The Female Gaze, as in G-A-Z-E. And it's all about Portrait of a Lady on Fire and other 
queer films and TV shows and the way that we tell queer stories. So check that out if you are interested. But we are not talking about the female gaze today unless you are somebody who wants to gaze upon this guest. Take a listen. Okay, here with me today, I have Valerie Complex. Valerie, how are you doing in New York City today? Are you in New York City? I never know where you are. I am currently in New York, right okay. at this very moment. Great. And how's it going? You had a birthday yesterday. You were celebrating last night. I am just sort of getting over last night and trying to recover. I mean, I got home at 11 o'clock, which is not late for some, but <laughs> as I've aged, I was like, uh, I need to get home. So everybody last night was pretty much in my age group. And so we were all like, yeah, let's pack it in around 10 o'clock. So yeah. Love that. How do you feel about birthdays in general? Do you like them? Do they give you anxiety? Indifferent? I think the milestones give me anxiety. So like turning 30, turning 35, turning 40 definitely gave me some anxiety because it's a new age of being. It's a different decade. Right, right. That's a bit nerve wracking, but I still woke up the same person now. (laughs) Now I just qualify for mammograms and colonoscopies. And so, yeah, (laughs) getting some action like that. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, let's get to your pitch before I ask any more questions. But well, one quick question first, tell the listeners, how do you identify? I've been thinking about this for a while, but it doesn't bother me either way. She, they, he is fine. I, I don't care. <laughs> and then sexuality, are there are there any terms that you use with that? I am queer. All right. You know, labels. That has, yeah, it's changed <laughs> quite a bit. I am queer. I have an explanation for that, but I, I can explain it, you know, when I see people in person. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. That's fair. Well, now that we have that out of the way, why don't you tell our listeners in one to two minutes why you're a catch? Well, I will start off with the emotional attributes. I'm empathetic. I'm really patient. You know, I'm really easygoing. I am a non-monogamist right now. So... I'm good at encouraging others to explore other avenues as well, if that's what they're into. I think that I'm really generous. I like to give little gifts and presents and stuff because that's sort of my love language, so to speak. To hit on some other attributes, like I live alone in New York City. That is rare. I live up in Harlem. I work for a big sort of entertainment website, trade. So I have a job I'm currently employed right now. So I also, I like to do like a lot of fun stuff. I like museums and I love, love, love karaoke. And I'm very much into talking about every facet of cinema and film that I can. I'm curvy. I have a big ass and a half. (laughs) I feel like, you know, my body has some attributes that a lot of people tend to like because they tell me every time I step outside, which is pretty much catcalling. But 
I'm taking, you know, a page out of their book just to, you know, see what other people observe as well. (laughs) And I just like meeting people. I like trying new things. I'm really open to pretty much anything that doesn't involve hurting people or children or animals. And I am a little awkward when you first get to meet me, but I open up pretty quickly. That even sounds awkward. My delivery even sounded (laughs) I I tried. I tried. (laughs) A lot of good stuff here. I'm loving doing these episodes and seeing what things come up over and over. And then I'm like, is this like a particularly queer thing? Like a lot of karaoke lovers, a lot of people mentioning karaoke in their in their pitches. And my first question is, what's your go to? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Usually like Killing Me Softly by the Fugees or like songs from Rent, the musical Rent. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Is there a song that you can't stand when people do? You're like, oh, why do people keep picking this one? Don't Stop Believing. I can't. There are other Journey songs that are great for karaoke. I can't take that. A Whole New World is another one. I just tired. <laughs> That's a good list. I also have like this reaction to Don't Stop Believing. It's not a bad song, but if someone picks it for karaoke or a bar is playing it, like I really have to be in the mood. My hands come up to my ears and I'm just like, no. Like, I, yeah. you know, I liked the song before I started going yeah. karaoke. <laughs> now I'm just like, oh man, like, I just don't want to hear anymore. Yeah, that and pour some sugar on me. For some reason, those two are like in the same category. I'm just like done. I've not over heard that one, and I'm so glad. <laughs> just imagine the kind of people who would pick pour some sugar on me. Yeah, or they are the same people that pick like Guns and Roses, like living on a prayer, right, right, looking like <laughs> screaming in the karaoke bar, screaming in the mic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I dare I say, and I hope I'm not offending any listeners out there. It's people who peaked in high school. Okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know. I was gonna say you, you know, everybody has several peaks. I've had several yeah. peaks too. So, you know, you peak when you're ready, but you know, the karaoke bar people turn it into their own concert, which is the point, which is fun, but screaming into the mic, woo! <laughs> like they're screaming. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I asked you if, if you were in New York, it's because you travel a lot. Is most of your travel for work? Are you traveling for pleasure? Well, that's another thing. I really love to travel. Like I've been to a lot of different countries. The last country I went to was Morocco. I was in Scotland for three months, stayed there for a while. I really love to travel, but now traveling is based on work. I used to travel leisurely, you know, a couple of times a year, but now I'm traveling more often than I would like to because of work, film festivals and 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 different events that my job does. I travel to them. So I'm mostly in New York or you'll see me out in LA. How was Morocco? My best friend lives there. Actually, we grew up in the Bronx together and he just somehow ended up there. And it's a really interesting place. I think it's beautiful in some areas and some areas are not so great. Like everywhere you go, they are aggressive with trying to get you to buy their things and and sure. handling. I, I didn't get bothered too much. Only when I opened up my mouth. So, <laughs> but I think Morocco is a great place to to learn. I would go to Casablanca and some other places. And 
Nice, nice. It's definitely on my list. Okay, so in your pitch, you said that you're non-monogamous. Now, is that, how recent of a thing is that? I would say the last year or two, I've been like, you know what, let's explore a little bit more of the boundaries of sexuality and what that means. And I've definitely been happier as someone who's like non-monogamous. I'm still examining polyamory and what that's like versus non-monogamy. I'm still in that, like, can I love more than one person? Can I put forth that energy into multiple people or just one other? So, you know, these are things that I'm examining. I came out fairly late in life. I came out, you know, when I was 27 years old and didn't have time to explore what it meant to be part of the LGBTQ community because I was, you know, working and didn't have time to figure it out. And then you know, as soon as I like turned 35, it was like, okay, it's time to figure out what's going on here. And then in the last two years, I kind of made that decision, like ethical non-monogamy is for me right now. Yeah. This all sounds like very relatable, just like it's been a little over, I guess, a year and a half that I've been non-monogamous. But then my wife and I are always talking about like non-monogamy versus polyamory, because when you get into it, I mean, me personally, I feel like polyamory just seems like a lot of time, like a lot of yeah time, a lot of energy to put in. It's like, do I want to put that much energy into romantic relationships, especially those outside of my marriage? And like where we've kind of landed now is when we're dating solo, we're non-monogamous. It's a lot more casual. But then if my wife and I are seeing someone together that's where it feels like it can be a lot more emotionally driven. I'm wondering, do you, like, when you talk about, like, you know, couples and stuff, I have found myself in the line of couples a lot, which is really interesting because I'm not trying to, I'm not saying I'm trying to be anybody's unicorn or whatever, but I, I don't mm-hmm. have something in mind. And so, you guys have come to the to the thing where it's like we're, we can date solo and we can date together someone else. That's really interesting. It's pretty unique. Yeah, I always think, you know, that it would be hard. I mean, it's hard to find one person you like sometimes and then to find somebody who likes both you and your partner. It feels like that takes kind of a specific person. But then when it happens and we find it, it's usually because like it is a good fit. So it's something, yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting that to happen when we first talked about opening things up, but I think my wife and I are so different, but also very complementary to each other that, I don't know, there, there's something in the recipe that that's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something, I don't, that's, that's really cool that uh, you got to talk about that and try that out and really be sort of into it. I think that that's good. That's that's harmony right there. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely has like made us much stronger, brought us closer. And we, we were doing fine before. I mean, it was just something that had always been. I mean, especially if you're in the queer community, it's something that's talked about. You meet a lot of people who are doing it. We were both curious about it, but just weren't sure if it was for us or weren't sure if it was something the other person would want to do. And then once we talked about it and explored it together it's like okay maybe you know this could be like a good additive thing in our life would you date somebody who is monogamous 
I think that question was coming. I, I don't <laughs> know. It depends. It would depend on how much I care for them. And yeah, we vibe. It would depend on a lot of different factors. I'm not going to say no. But right. It definitely depend on a lot of factors. Yeah. Yeah. I know people too who start off a relationship, maybe monogamous, mm-hmm. but with the conversation up front that, you know, ideally, eventually it would go to a point where you could both be comfortable being non monogamous. But yeah, do, do you ever get any kind of maybe like backlash about it or people who like on dating apps? Maybe who are like, I, I don't want to go near anyone who's non-monogamous. Most of the people I'm seeing on dating apps are non-monogamous. Couple, <laughs> ladies, most married ladies, they're like, we're dating solo. And so I'm not finding any backlash. I'm actually surprised. Like when I try to explain it to like people like my family or whatever, they're just like, I don't understand. Why don't you just say this and that? And I'm like, it's more complicated than that. But I have not received any backlash. Good. That's great to hear. Yeah, I've not received any. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is interesting how it's viewed in different communities. I know, like when I talk to, and this is very different, but my friends who are straight women, they are like, no fucking way. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like I travel a lot, so it's like I don't have the expectation of like someone sitting around for two weeks waiting for me to get back to have two weeks yeah. with me to be gone again for two weeks. Like, you know, I read about these things and I believe people should be able to get what they can if they're not getting it in place. So, so I just, especially with the traveling a lot, if I was around a lot more, like I'm usually around in the fall a lot more so I can see a lot more people and do a lot more things. But, you know, from January to October, I am traveling a lot. Not, you know, I'm gone for like three or four days here, three or four days there, but for some reason upcoming, I'm going to be gone for two weeks and then I'm going to Paris. You know, I'd love to have somebody to come with me. That'd be great. I don't mind doing those types of things for people, you know, if we're close and they want to travel. That's fun. That's a perk. Right now, I'm very comfortable, not only just in my skin, but in my stability and, you know, my finances and I'm in therapy which has been really great. We love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as as I approach 40, things actually, I'm grateful because things are actually very stable. All right. If you're looking looking for some stability in your life, Valerie's got a lot to offer there. Speaking of your travel, your line of work, you are very well-versed in the universe of queer TV and cinema. What queer relationship seems like most attractive to you? Like if you're like, oh, oh my- if I could have that. I mean, because for the most part, a lot of queer relationships are portrayed so poorly. I just don't really know. Right. The best influences right now for like, this is going to sound so silly. Oh, my God. But like first kill. OK. I like the dynamic of Jules and Calliope in first kill. I thought that they had a very intense sort of relationship i naturally or supernaturally i guess yeah right (laughs) and i also liked the you know i'm a romantic i love like to do romantic things 
and make people feel special. So, you know, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you know, that's just my thing. Yes. I was trying to think about the other movies that came out, but nah, they suck. So, so like, if I had, a, like, something like either one or both of those two, I think that that would be, like, a very fun relationship. But also, like, you know, somebody who doesn't mind alone time and someone who's like, hey, you know, my social battery is low. I, I need to take some time for myself. And just being like that, that's also, I think, really great and something that's really good to remember that self-care is taking care of yourself and knowing when, you know, to take a break. Now, when you're watching a TV show with somebody else, are you the kind of, like, if you're in a relationship, you have a TV show, are you the kind of person who insists that somebody waits for you to watch the episode? Or is it like, watch it when you can watch it and we'll talk about it once we're all caught up? Either way, it's like, if you have the time, we can watch it together. If not, watch it so we can talk about it. I do that yeah. with my friends. So I'm like, just watch it so we can talk about <laughs> it. I want to talk. I want to have a conversation. So yeah, either way. And I'm very diplomatic in that way where I'm just like, do what you have to do to get it done. What would be a love story that you would love to see on screen? A queer love story. The type of queer sort of stories I'd like to see is I'd like to see people exploring different things. Like my friend Robert Jones Jr. wrote a book called The Prophets, which is about two enslaved queer men during the time of slavery. Now, I know that's a really awkward thing, two awkward things to put together, but I do think it's important and something that's unique to explore because we see all of these slavery films about tragedy and stuff like that. But what else is under the surface? What else is working? His book is really about like the inner workings of a different story. There's a story under the story. And so I think that that would be something interesting to explore. I think we need to see more women of color exploring relationships with women of color. Mm -hmm. Well, it's no shade to like, you know, the couples that they have on a lot of TV right now, but I think it's important to start showing that we have other interests, that we live in other time periods, and that we're just not all out here falling in love with white folks. Like, you know, I think that it's just, we just need to explore different avenues. They should be modern. They should be focused, you know, not like just a part of an overarching narrative for the white protagonist, like their own stories being in the spotlight, stuff like that. Agree. Agree with all of that. I had a question, but I'll wait for you to, I'll wait for you to ask my next question before I ask mine. No, wait, what's your question? This is, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed, but I'm going to do it anyway. Look, um, life is short. So I was, I see, I didn't know that you and your wife had become non-monogamous. So do you want to go out sometime? Oh, Possibly. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't care if it's just you or you and your wife. We can all go out. Look, I do not care. But I figure why not? I think you're cute. And Valerie. You know. I was not expecting that. I am blushing. I am I blushing. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you guys, I remember hanging out with you guys at the Dyke March and it was a lot of fun. I forget I asked 
I mean, I'm open to all people, but I wanted my shot on, you know, on the show. So I know. Listeners, I love this. I feel like this is a pitch in itself. Look at that. Shooting your shot. I'm all for it. And yes, like, let's let's talk uh, after this. <laughs> OK. OK. No problem. But I but I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to throw you off, but figured I'd ask why not. Oh, uh, oh, what this is an exciting now now we're getting somewhere. Uh <laughs> well, then tell me, okay, like let's say let's say we go out on a date. What would we do? Take me on this date. Walk me through it. Let me see. Cause from from your personality, like how you dress and everything like that. I assume that you want to do something fun, also something combined with like getting to know someone. So I wouldn't necessarily suggest karaoke, but like maybe we go to, I forgot the name of the place, but I think it's Photographsica. They have like a hip hop exhibit there um, where it's just like pictures that they've taken all over New York of like different hip hop figures and different hip hop things. And that'd be a place where we can like walk around and like talk and get visuals and I can get to know you and you can get to know me, especially my experience growing up in New York in the hip hop scene. I think that'd be a really good way to relate. And then go to dinner at a place of your choice. Unless I pick, if I pick, I usually ask, you know, what are your dietary restrictions? You know, do you eat meat or whatever? And then choose from there. Unless you come up with a place then I'm totally down to go on where you're comfortable. Do you have a go-to? I usually go to... Marks off Madison, which I really like, or I'll go to like Koreatown and go to like one of those cozy hot pot places that I really like. There's a place in the East Village that I like. I don't know the name of it. I just know where it is. That serves really good ramen too. All right. Yeah, that all sounds good. I was going to say Koreatown for karaoke. Love, love to get dinner and then try to you have to go on a weeknight to get space in one of the karaoke spots. I feel like last time I tried going, we had to walk into like six different places to see if they had rooms. Do you like room or do you like the bar karaoke where you're like putting on a show for strangers? I like it doesn't matter, but I prefer okay. room so I can get okay. as many of my songs in as possible. But right. like <laughs> going to karaoke, we can go there. I can sing a song or two for you because I can sing a little bit. So like oh. I'll sing a song of your choice and try to do something fun, romantic. She takes requests. She takes requests. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's only fun, romantic. I just I enjoy going out and seeing people have fun and, you know, being comfortable in my company. And that's very important. Well, Another question I was going to ask that that was on my list, but I might know the answer now. Um, do you usually make the first move? <laughs> uh, it depends. Again, it depends on the vibe. Where if we're chatting and things are are going well, then I'll be inclined to make the first move. If the person is a little bit more withdrawn, it all depends on the vibe. You have to really catch the vibe and know the vibe. But sometimes I'll reserve making moves for the second date because I want to really get to know someone first and then sort of process how things went and then address it in the next date. If there's a second date, of course. And so it depends. I'm sorry. Most of my answers, it depends. I'm one of those people that's like, not everything is, is black and white. 
Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's totally fair. I mean, I think I think it definitely depends. You know, it takes two to tango sometimes three and uh <laughs> and a, a lot of it a lot of it does depend on you know the other person the vibe what they're comfortable with you know sometimes people beat you to the punch what do you think about pda like not like i'm not looking to like hold hands on a first date or anything like that but in general like pda this is this is an interesting one to ask about because i'm i'm usually fine with it but i will say my wife has (laughs) pushed the envelope with me on on my comfort with it so i had to make a rule with her of no kissing in front of people who are doing their jobs because she'll you know we'll like be in front of the line at starbucks and she'll want to kiss me and i'm like someone's here just going about their day they're just trying to make a living (laughs) (laughs) They don't need to see that. People like, get a room. <laughs> right, right. But like, if you're to walk into like Stonewall or Cubby Hole and my wife and I are, are hanging out there, there's a good chance you're going to see us make it out. Like, we're, <laughs> you know, so it, it kind of depends. Like, if it's a, a space that I feel safe in, like, why not? Like, I love you know, holding hands and like, I consider myself an affectionate person. I know that with other people, I'm always trying to be cognizant of it. Like, you know, my wife and I, we were kind of seeing someone and I remember we were walking to grab dinner and 
I was holding hands with my wife, but I'm like, well, it's weird if the three of us are walking down the street. Holding hands, like hands across America coming down the street in the West Village. Here we go. Yeah. Right. I also don't think you should be walking, you know, three people across unless nobody's on the sidewalk. That just as a New Yorker. Like, yeah. Like the streets are too narrow for all that. But yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that would not bother me at all. Like, I think if you have an understanding of, of the vibe and what's going on, like, I don't know, but I'm just sort of easygoing that way. Not necessarily like yeah. I'm laissez-faire, but I'm just like, you know, I'm all sort of good. As long as the people in my company are happy, then that I think is like the most important thing. I mean, me being happy too is important, but it makes me happy to see others happy and all that stuff. Do you relate to your Pisces? Not always. I think I don't care for Pisces men. Um, <laughs> and um, the women I do relate to and get along with, I don't know if we're always compatible to be in a relationship. I just ended a sort of relationship with another Pisces person and it got off the rails at the last minute. And I was like, girl, we can't continue to do this. So we're, we're still friends, but I had to break it off. Yeah. And you think it had to do with with the sign, like with those part, like were you just both crying too much? What was happening? No, it wasn't that. It was, we just weren't at the same place. We weren't looking for the same things. And she sort of brought up some topics that I had asked her about at the very beginning of our relationship. And she brought them up again when she finally had an answer. And it was an answer that I was like, what? Like, if I had known this before, our relationship would have gone very much differently. And so, yeah, but we're still friends. We still get along. We still text or whatever. It didn't end on a bad note. Nobody, I mean, she was crying all the time, but I didn't mind that at all. I was there for her to console her. And, you know, but it wasn't just like our signs or whatever. It was other factors that just made it not work. But I noticed that that dynamic was probably just not great. Yeah. What are some of your pet peeves in dating? Like, are are there things to you that are just like deal breakers? Oh, man. Like, I, I observe how people treat people. And if you are treating other people like garbage, then you probably won't hear from me again. Um, I don't really like rudeness or arrogance. Mm-hmm. That's not sort of my thing. Unbalanced communication. I don't like. I've been on dates where women have done all the talking and then text me and be like, you're so great to talk to. And I'm like, I didn't do any talking. So um, I don't mind listening because by my nature, I'm a listener. But I don't know. There's something about just telling all your business right up front. I don't know. It sets off alarms. And so that's a bit of a pet. But also like small stuff like burping and not covering your mouth. Cursing <laughs> and not covering your mouth, yawning and not covering your mouth, sneezing and not putting your hand over your face. <laughs> just be safe and wear a mask around Valerie. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm just thinking about like just like normal etiquette things or whatever. And um, yeah, that's true. You know, you take that stuff for granted and then it happens and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And like, you know, sometimes everybody has their times where they, they don't, you know, they may do it or whatever, but 
when I do it, I like profusely apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't because sometimes the moment gets you and you can't, you don't have time to, you know, address the situation. But yeah, those are some of the things that I can think of off the top of my head. To be honest, I haven't been like the last two years, I've been dating a lot more. And it seems like as soon as the profile, because my profiles turned 40 earlier this year for some reason, but before my birthday even came, but for some reason, when it said 40, I got an influx of like people matching with me on dating apps. I was like, what is going on? Like, yeah, it was really, really interesting. It was like, I don't know if they think it's like Cougar Town over here, (laughs) but I found that to be very, really sort of interesting. Well, speaking of Cougar Town, do you have a lower limit on like how young of a person you're willing to date? Uh, yeah, I I think that under thirty is pushing it. But I said that I mm-hmm. I would date someone that was like twenty six and up. Yeah, maybe twenty seven, because you know you're still cooking at that time. I know you're like a young adult and everything, but you're still cooking. Right, right. I'm like you know twenty seven and up. In terms of the apps, do you have a favorite? Well, right now, Feld seems to be, or the Feld or Field, whatever. Field. Yes. Field and, and Bumble are pretty good. Her is fine, but Field is, is where all the non monogamous folks are people who want connection, they want sex, things that I think it's cool to like look for right now. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite. I took a hiatus from the apps though, because I, I can't right now. And that's why you're on this. That's what I want. Right. That's why I'm trying something new <laughs> on, on the podcast. And yeah, just, I just definitely, I'm just into meeting new people and having different experiences. Do you like meeting people more like organically in person? Or do you kind of like the apps in that you have like some basic information going into it? I really prefer in person because I get to, I get to see and I'm observing the vibe and I can determine whether or not I want to continue. I don't have to waste time going on a date just to figure out, oh, I don't, you know, this is not for me or whatever, whatever. I would love to meet people more organically, but you know, every time you invite me to an event, I'm gone. I'm out. (laughs) So I'm, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to get out more. Like I've gone to a couple of things at the gay and lesbian center downtown, I've gone to Stonewall a couple of times. I haven't been, I've never been to Cubbyhole. Henrietta's is very different than it used to be. So, you know, I'm trying to go to more events like Dyke Beer stuff to meet people. But I've been really wanting to meet more queer women of color as well, because a lot of these spaces are occupied by white women, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just sometimes I do feel a little out of place. Have you been to a Babe Town event? Never even heard of it. Okay. I'm putting this on your radar. I'll send you the profile on Instagram. Alex Kunis is a, a chef and she's been working in the food industry for a while. I think she's she grew up in New York and she started these queer monthly dinner parties. And now she's kind of added more variety to the kinds of events that she does. So there'll be like the regular Babetown monthly dinner, but then there's also one called Kitchen Table now, which is for polyamorous and non-monogamous queer folks. And I would say like those are some of the most diverse events I've been to. I've only been to a couple, 
but I know like knowing my friends who have gone to them and I would say that's a that's a good one to check out. And there's delicious food. Nice. And I'm all that. I love food and stuff like that. Eating is like my 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 number two favorite pastime besides um, spending money. <laughs> so I have to get out there and get to more events and get over, you know, I've been working on getting over my qualms about being the oldest person in the room sometimes, because that's been a thing as well. So as I get out there, I learn more and more every day about me, about the community, about the environment and everything like that. So I'm really kind of enjoying this journey and being more open. Like last night I went up to this woman at this place I was eating and I was like, Hey, you want to go out sometime? And she gave me her phone number. She was taken, but I was shocked that I did that. Like, cause I don't usually do that. Cause I'm usually too shy, but I'm like, fuck it. Life is too short. And when you see, yeah. when you see beauty and stuff, you just, just go ahead. The worst people could say is like, no. And that's totally right. And I'm fine with no, I'm fine with hearing no, I'm fine with saying no. Is marriage something that you think you'd like? Oh, uh, it's not in the cards right now. I'm not going to say no, but it's not in the cards right now. I mean, it's so depend. If there's no one in front, of, like, it's a hard question to answer. But just in terms of like listeners, I know there are some people who like that's a very important thing to them that they want to get married. They are looking for a wife, and other people are like, I don't know if I'm with somebody and we're really into each other, and they really want it, then maybe. <laughs> I think it, it it depends on a bunch of factors, but I'm not off to the idea. Yeah. You know, there would just have to be certain things in place for that to happen. Kids asking the big questions here. I'm not opposed to that either. Just depends on factors. I can't have children, so that would have to be up to my partner. And, you know, there's just some things around marriage and having children that I'm working through in therapy you know, to help me sort of work through what that looks like. So there's some things that I'm working through with that to make sure that, you know, I am definitely more open and well-rounded to those type of ideas and doing those things. Shit, now I'm blushing. Oh my God. <laughs> no need. Um, are there any patterns of behavior that you find yourself repeating in relationships with people? I mean, speaking of therapy, I don't know if if your therapist is like this, but I know therapy for me, so much of it is my therapist just pointing out the patterns that were like, I wasn't connecting the dots. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. This reminds me of these four other times <laughs> you've brought this up. I did notice a pattern before that I have broken two patterns recently, which I'm so proud of myself for doing. Not expressing my needs and being to the point where I'm like so eager and ready to plead like my partner that I'm sacrificing my own wants and needs and being okay with saying, you know, this does not work for me. Like I've never broken up with anyone before and my ex-girlfriend has never been dumped. So, you know, it was just really an interesting thing that we talked about and sort of processed. And I, I even felt bad for doing it, but it just was the right thing to do. You know, I didn't know the value of alone time. I didn't understand the value of alone time and space. In the last five years, I've really been 
getting to learn more about how valuable that is, not only for myself, but for other people. A lot of people value their alone time. They aren't into being smothered or anything like that. People want to do their own thing, have autonomy and stuff like that. And that's perfectly, like perfectly fine. You know, in therapy, I learned that that's not an indictment on me or whatever. It's just the way that some people are and they're allowed to be that way. And now I've become that way. So, you know, having a long time and a part time is like very, I mean, I'm away for work. So, it, you know, that stuff comes with the territory anyway. So am I remembering right that you moved around a lot when you were a kid? I, I did. Okay. So you're kind of used to this life of picking up and going, not being in one place. So earlier when I talked about stability, I mean, like, I have a place to come back to. I have the means to pay my own bills, however expensive they may be in New York. But being sort of on the go and traveling a lot is like something that I've gotten used to. And I'm still trying to like, reconcile the best way to do that without stressing myself out to the point where my hair is coming out, um, which happened recently. So trying to combine that with the job and the projects that I'm doing and, and a relationship and everything like that. That's so important. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes it can feel normal to be go, 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 and then not really realizing the toll that it can take on you sometimes. And then sometimes your body reminds you <laughs> if you don't if you don't catch it first, your body's going to find a way to tell you. you like know. last year that happened to me, I was walking through the projects, just trying to get home. And I kind of just, my knees sort of buckled and I just kind of collapsed. And I was like, I have to do better with work. And like, you know, and I, that was another opportunity I got to like speak up because I was like, the hours I'm working, I, I'm, I'll quit this job. I'd rather take care of my mental health than to be sick. And so they ended up changing my hours. So, you know, just being able to sort of speak up and like you said, recognize those times where you're like, oh, I need to sit down and take a break or whatever, whatever. I have really been taking full advantage of that. With your career, what has been one of the highlights for you? Like something like what are you most proud of? Well, in my journalist career, I'm proud of being this is a blessing and a curse, but I guess, you know. I'm a black woman at a major trade website. And so there's a zeroed focus on me and my work and people take notice, but that's also its downside. So, but it's an accomplishment. Nonetheless, I have been working for 10 years to try to find a staff position and I never thought it was going to be where I am now. So that's awesome. Well, all right. We're at that time where one, if there's anything else that has come to mind in this conversation that you want our listeners to know, if not, get into saying, you know, who who do you want reaching out to you? What kind of people should be following up? If you like to have fun, you're a little nerdy, love film. I don't have a physical type. I'm more like I see someone, I talk to them and I'm like, yeah, I'm attracted to you as opposed to being like, you know, looking at looks. Butch. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really... You know, creative people, people who really like to like talk about different things because, you know, I could be talking about a movie the next minute and then the next minute I'm talking about like outer space nebulas or something like that. Like <laughs> I like to talk about all types of stuff and I really 
I'm up for meeting people who can teach me something. And what's the best way for them to get in touch? Instagram is probably better at Valerie underscore complex two on Instagram. I am also on TikTok as complex travels. You can always email me at info at ValerieComplex.com. Amazing. Love it. Well, Valerie, this has been a delight. Also, didn't know I was going to get asked out. So I'm thrilled <laughs> about this. What a fun and surprising episode, at least surprising for me. Wow, did not see that coming. But as you can tell, Valerie is a super cool person and has done a a lot of great work for the queer community. You know, it takes a lot of work to see all this content and review it and dissect it. And it's not just queer content, too. So definitely give Valerie a follow and check out their work. It's great stuff. Very, very interesting looks, perspectives, analysis on the media we consume. Speaking of consuming media, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like it, please, please, please go and rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Leave a review if you're feeling extra generous. There's also a Patreon if you want to support the pod that way. Patreon.com slash loves a pitch. Follow on Instagram to see videos and pictures of the people you are listening to. That's at loves a pitch on Instagram. And follow me while you're at it at TGI Carolyn. I'm also on TikTok where I'm posting jokes and clips from our interviews here. This podcast is produced and edited by Caitlin White and the music is from Velico. Now do yourself a favor and go watch something gay. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.